Man, who are those attractive gentlemen on the screen? Jeez. Got their jeans straight from Jesus, right? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. How are we doing this morning? That's like, come on, okay? Every time I come up here, you know what I do. Okay, how are we doing this morning? That's right. That's right. That's the revived church right there. Thank you. I appreciate that. Uh, I'm Zach Sanders. I'm the ministry admin here. I will be dropping the word. Uh, If you're wondering, where is Pastor Dwayne and Joel? I know Chris already mentioned we got some people on trips, but they're enjoying and soaking up the Mediterranean, suffering for Jesus over there in Europe. So uh, make sure to pray for them that they have a good, refreshing time. We we sent them away uh, for—they've been pastors of this church for 20 Five, or no, 27 years now, and we had celebrated them uh, uh, for the 25th anniversary when we sent them on this cruise. They're finally just now getting around to it. So uh, make sure you're praying for them, blessing them, and, and uh, you know, maybe liking their pictures on, on Facebook and, and whatever, because they, they've posted some amazing things and, and walked in places that disciples and apostles have walked in. So it's a pretty, pretty amazing thing. Anyway, this morning, welcome. Thank you for joining us. We'll be talking about a few different things. Um, my title for today, it's going to be Where Life Begins, kind of moving along with uh, where Pastor Dwayne has been, been taking us. Uh, but more specifically, um, it's really um, lies that we believe. Or maybe you could just say uh, things that annoy me about what I do or things that annoy me about the church. You could say that's a title. Or you could also say it's rather truths that we forgot. Or probably my favorite, are we ready for revival? I just want that to sink in for a second. Are we ready for revival? A lot of people want revival. And if you don't know what revival is, it's basically a move of God so powerful in a place that it affects regions. It affects generations. Are we ready for a revival? We'll see. Let's talk about that this morning. So uh, first up, uh, let's start out with some simple lives that, lies that we may believe. Um, how many believe that, uh, and, and, and some of these will be true, some will be lies, so I'm going to be testing you, okay? How many believe WSU is the best Washington college team? You believed a lot. <laughs> uh, no, but seriously, who believes WSU is the best? Okay, how about UW? Who's a UW fan? Okay, you have to, like, physically, like, this thing has to come all the way up, okay? Perfect. All right, what about, okay, well, let's go smaller colleges, maybe PLU. (laughs) I like it, okay. UPS? Whitman? Whitworth? Northwest? Okay, okay. Give me, if you're watching the Apple Cup, how many root for UW? Raise your hand. Raise your hand. I want you to raise your hand. You better not sit there and be lying because Jesus is watching. Okay. What about WSU? How many root for WSU in the Apple Cup? You guys are the minority. I appreciate that. You guys raising your hand. That's really good. All right. So that's one lie that you believe, right? That WSU is a good team. Uh, Secondly, um, Adam and Eve, what fruit did they eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil? An apple. Well, guess what? The Bible doesn't actually say that. Hashtag owned. No, just kidding. But, but we all believe that, right? We all believe, oh, it's the apple. They ate the apple. But it doesn't actually say what the fruit was, right? And so it's really a truth that we just forgot. Because, you know, like childhood stories, we read in our, like, Bible with pictures, and it has an apple, and we're just like, oh, yeah, dude, it's an apple. And it just becomes ingrained in us without us really actually realizing that that may not have been the case. I mean, it may have. could have been an apple. But yeah, 50, yeah, 50, 50. Right? 50-50 chance. What about this? How many animals, how many pairs of animals entered the ark with Noah? How many of male and female? Ready to go. Two of each. One of each. So one of each. Okay, how many think one of each? How many think two of each? How many think something different than that? Okay, yell it out. All right, I want you to tell your neighbor what you think the answer is. Ready, go. Tell your neighbor. I want you, I'm looking at you. I'm looking at you. You must tell your neighbor. If you're too scared to tell your neighbor, tell yourself out loud. (laughs) 
I think I heard the answer. Someone shouted out. So most of us just think, well, reading the story, well, it's a male and female from every kind of animal, right? That walks the surface of the earth. Well, that's kind of a modified version because also later on, I think it was Exodus 7 or 8. I might have written it down. Uh, yeah, or Genesis 7, excuse me. Um, it says one of every p- uh, pair of unclean animals and then seven pairs of every kind of bird and every clean animal. So you have seven pairs. Why did he include the, the extra pairs in there? Sacrifice. You guys got it. You're so smart. Pat yourselves on the back. Pat yourselves on the back. That's one that you, you didn't believe, so that's really good. Okay, here's the next question. Another lie that you believe, okay? I want you to think of what your, who your favorite superhero is. I'm being serious. You need, this is church. This is serious. You need to think of your favorite superhero right now. I want you to tell someone else. Now, don't just sit there. You have to tell someone else. Ready, set, go. And tell them why. Tell them why. You have to tell them why. All right, shout him out. Ready to go. Superman, Thor. Dude, Thor is awesome. I like that. What did you say? Zach Sanders. I appreciate that. I didn't bring my wallet. Sorry, I'll, I'll hook you up later. Okay. Wonder Woman. Okay. Underdog. <laughs> you guys are something else. I tell you what. Uh, so anyone who, how many said a DC superhero? A DC, that means, they're, <laughs> okay, this is not a part of the sermon, but DC is a part, they, they basically have a whole system of superheroes and comics, it's the company, okay, DC, okay, so that'd be like Superman, Batman, Wonder Woman, The Flash, all the, the, that kind of, too. Justice League, okay, how many said a DC superhero? Okay, perfect, now, now then we have the other side, we have Marvel, uh, with all the good superheroes. How many did that one? Okay, cool. Cool, cool, cool. All right, so if you said DC, you're belie- believing a lie. I'm sorry. Um, uh, just getting real with you this morning. Praise Jesus. Um, but no, really, like, we have all these lies that we kind of believe that they're just kind of become ingrained in us, and we sometimes just forget uh, maybe what the truth is, or we have a modified version of the truth that doesn't actually help us. And theologically, kind of going along with what Pastor Duane has been uh, preaching on, uh, we, it, it changes our theology just enough to get us off kilter, right? It's kind of like a, um, a spinning top. When you spin a top and it's at a very high speed, it spins great and it keeps its axis at the right rotation. But if you introduce just a, a little bit of mass off weight on one side of that, what it's going to do is it's going to put it off axis, and it's actually going to fall apart over time a lot quicker than if it was well-balanced in the first place. And lies, what they do is they won't, may not actually get you off of your purpose. They may not actually get you off of your destiny right away, right? A top will spill, still spin if it's not perfectly balanced. Think about that. A top will still spin if it's not purposely balanced. You can still live with lies in your life. You can get by just fine. For a while. And then you start seeing things break apart. You start seeing those, those lies kind of come to fruition and produce a fruit in keeping with unrighteousness, right? A, a fruit that we don't want. And so today I'm just going to talk a little bit about some lies that we may believe or maybe truths that we have forgotten what they actually were. And so let's just discuss this a little bit. I, I love participation, um, and so if I could get a lot of participation from you guys this morning, that would be amazing. Sound good? All right, perfect. Uh, first thing, uh, first lie I want to talk about, and we'll see how much time we have in getting through these. I have quite a few um, in no particular order. Um, but basically believing everything we hear. Okay? If you've been on Facebook in the past five years, you would have noticed that there's a lot of articles that are written that are slanted, Right in a way to uh, introduce a mistruth to then guide you down a road of wrong theology, wrong, wrong thoughts, wrong beliefs. How many have seen some fake news of some kind? Something fake. 
maybe on Facebook or on the news. Okay, awesome. So we're, we're very familiar. How many have thought one of those things was true, only to find out later, I messed that one up? Yeah, and then you post it on your feed, and you're like, look at this, how dare you? And then you find out later it wasn't actually true, and you're like, oh, okay, I'm sorry. Right, yeah. I've done that before. I was like, I won't even go into it, but I did something like that before. It wasn't even a political thing. It was like a a historical thing. And there's this article. I was like, finally, I've got proof. And I I, I remember sharing it with with my father-in-law, and he's like, are you sure? You know, kind of like the, that doesn't sound right. And then uh, we fact-checked it. Yeah, I was wrong. And so I had to, you know, basically grovel. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. But it happens, right? We believe fake news. We believe fake news, even if we don't believe it. And, 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 yeah, that's a deep one. That goes deep. You should think about that one. First John 4, 1 through 3. Dear friends, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God. Because many false prophets have gone out into the world. Let's just stay on that verse right there. Test the spirits. Basically, you need to test whatever words you're receiving. Even when you, this is just practical too. When you receive a prophetic word from someone, right, you got to test it. It doesn't mean you just instantly, you're like, that didn't sound right, right? And you just reject it. No, that actually may be a word for you way further along in your journey than where you're currently at. So you got to test it, put it to the side, you know, let it kind of cook in, in the stews and the juices of Jesus, right? And then to see what it actually produces, right? See what it actually produces. So for us, we need to really be sure that we're testing everything that's coming into our ears. And I want to say that even from Christian sources. I want you to test what I'm telling you. Like, it should check up with the Bible. And if it doesn't, does that mean I'm a false prophet and you're going to stone me? Please don't. But correct me in love, right? That's what it's all about. That's what it's all about. So what we're really trying to do is really just change our perspectives away from just wholeheartedly believing everything or wholeheartedly rejecting everything to testing it, testing the spirits, testing what we're hearing, testing what people are saying. Because sometimes it may have earthly wisdom to it, but there's no fruitfulness to decisions that some people make. So let's just make sure that we're, we're watching what we hear and what we believe and the biggest thing I see, too, is, um, I, and I won't get into that. We'll talk about that later. Another thing is um, everything, another statement that's a big lie that I hear a lot in uh, Christendom in, as a whole is everything happens for a reason. And um, some of you may say that and be like, uh-oh, shoot, I say that all the time. Well, here's why I, I, I target this statement. Because it comes, from what I believe, it comes out of a false mentality. Basically, you're believing, by saying everything happens for a reason, you're, you're basically believing in fate. Which is a false god. So regardless of what I do in my walk with Jesus, stuff is still going to turn out the same way. Everything happens for a reason. I have cancer because of blank. And we try to find a reason and fit it into our theology because we're reasoning beings. We love to have an answer to things. You can see this even in little children. Why? Why? What does that do? What does that do? What does that do? And we always want an answer right away. And sometimes we go for the quickest answer. We believe the lie. And I see a lot in... in, uh, I don't know, in Christian circles of this statement being thrown out, everything, don't worry, everything happens for, you're sick for a reason. God's gonna, God's just teaching you to, he's just disciplining you. He's just disciplining you. Through sickness? Why did Jesus, literally every place he went, why did he heal like every disease and sickness? It seems like he would be fighting himself I'm going to discipline them, but then I'm going to give them an instant breakthrough. That just, I don't know. That just doesn't make sense to me. It doesn't make sense to me. And so we've got to think about things that we say. Sometimes we just say things out of our mouth, right? And, uh, and we don't even give uh, a heedance to what we're saying. And I admit, right, sometimes things happen. 
You make a poor decision and a poor outcome comes. You don't study for that test. What's going to happen? You're going to fail, right? It doesn't, it doesn't neglect, uh, neglect natural consequences. But what it says is not everything is happening. Don't just assign it to God doing something as a fate response. Um, so, like, for example, if, if we're getting attacked some way, maybe it's in our health, maybe we're getting attacked in our marriage, like, don't assign that to God, right? There's a real enemy who wants you to fail, and so let's assign the blame to him and just cancel that with our words. Because we're, we're basically Jesus on the earth. In this world, we are like Jesus. Also an example is um, in the Tower of Siloam. Um, let's go to that, actually, so we can have some biblical uh, factual basis for this. Luke 13, 1 through 5. Awesome. Isn't Brad doing a great job? Doing so good. Now, there were some present at the time who told Jesus about the Galileans whose blood Pilate had mixed with their sacrifices. Let's go to the next one. Jesus answered, do you think that these Galileans were worse sinners than all the other Galileans because they suffered this way? I tell you, no. Let's stop right there. Just because something happens to you doesn't mean it's because you're a worse sinner than everyone else. Like, this is literally giving factual basis of and, and positioning to the idea that not everything really happens for a reason. Let's go to the next one. Here's another example. Or those 18 who died when the Tower of Siloam fell on them. Do you think they were more guilty than all the others living in Jerusalem? I tell you no. I tell you no. The tower just fell. The tower just fell. It wasn't God punishing the people. It just, it just happened. It was just a natural thing. They didn't build the tower strong enough. They didn't put the right foundation. It was just a natural thing that happened. And we love to assign blame. Oh, God is judging them. They're, big, they're the biggest sinners. That's why. Right? And sometimes we do that for ourselves. And we have to watch our words and our thought response in assigning blame to God for every bad thing that happens in our lives when it really wasn't him in the first place. He works all things for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose. So when we take that verse, we can't now assign him blame because he's working all things good for you. He doesn't have to bring a bad situation on your life to then bring good from it. The enemy's trying to, to basically destroy you because he hates you. He hates the position you carry. He hates the image that you carry because you're made in the image of God, right? And God is bringing good out of every bad thing that, tries to ha- that is, maybe has happened to you in your life. He's bringing good out of it. He's not causing it. He doesn't need to cause it to bring good out of it. Another one that's pretty significant is I can meet my every need. And this is more subconscious. And I do this sometimes. And maybe you're like me. I don't know. But uh, sometimes I, we try to find natural ways out of situations because we know we can handle it instead of just relying on God and relying on what he has for us. Here's an example. Um, it actually, it just happened this morning. I, had, uh, I was playing outside. We were playing some Nerf uh, with the new Nerf Rival guns. Anyone played with those? 100 feet per second. Yeah, they'll leave like little welts on your skin. They're pretty awesome. But anyway, um, <laughs> yeah. But basically what happened was we were playing and I was bending down. Oh, I kind of tweaked my, my hamstring. And so this morning, it was still kind of bugging me. And, um, and I was going to grab um, like, a, like Under Armour. It's not really like, it's kind of like a brace. So for everyone to imagine, it's basically kind of like a brace. So I was, I was thinking, I was like, you know what, God? Or, I didn't even say God. I was like, you know what? I'm just going to grab this brace. So if when I play soccer later today after church, um, I'm not going to get more injured. And immediately I corrected myself. I'm like, maybe I just need to pray about this. Rather than putting a Band-Aid on the problem, why don't we just fix the problem? Right? And so, so I, I ended up just stopping, like, and I had no time. It was a quick prayer. I just, thank you, God. I just release health on it right now in Jesus' name. And it doesn't, like, it doesn't hurt. And it doesn't hurt. And it was literally, yeah, dude, Jesus is awesome. But it was literally what it was, was it was a, a, a quick decision. It, it, it was like a, a lie that entered my heart that just, oh, I just, I can, I can handle it myself. I'll just grab a Band-Aid, you know? And we do this in our own lives. We love to get these quick Band-Aids. These quick things. Oh, I can handle it myself. I can do it myself. Especially in regards to healing. I have a lot of stories at camps 
where um, students will have headaches, and it's because of a natural consequence. It's because they didn't drink enough water. Anyone have headaches because they didn't drink enough water, like when it's really hot? Yeah, it's a natural consequence. It's just just happens, right? And so they, they come to me, and they're like, hey, can, can I get an ibuprofen or Tylenol or something, dude? I got this crazy headache going on, right? And so I could say, oh, yeah, for sure. And normally I do. And on the way, we pray for it. Because I'm like, you know what? Even though it's a natural consequence of our um, lack of wisdom, right? Even though it's a natural consequence, guess what? Jesus still loves to come through. And so we'll pray for it. And on many circumstances, or many, many um, um, times where we've done that, like, God has just really just entered in. They'd be like, dude, yeah, my headache's gone. I'm like, praise the Lord. That's amazing. And it was a five-second decision to rely on the Lord rather than to rely on ourselves. And we, it's just a natural thing. It's just a really quick thing. It's a quick change. But for some reason, we don't, I don't know, we just, we don't always do it. Even for the small things, it's like we only want Jesus for the big things. But he loves to, he loves to get into the details. He loves to be into every part of our life. It's crazy. But there's a step of faith that's required. Like for me, I could have brought the brace with me and prayed for it. But I was like, no, faith is telling me to leave the brace at home. Right? There's something required. Faith is an action. Faith is risk. You got to take a risk with our words. And, and sometimes I forget that. But God loves to meet our every need. He loves to meet our every need. We just have to give and submit ourselves to him. And we're more powerful than we realize. Like, do you realize we're, we are sitting in heavenly places? <laughs> I don't even grasp that. I can't even grasp that. We right now are sitting in heavenly places next to Jesus, reigning with him. Do you feel it? Do you feel like you're there? I mean, I don't feel like I'm there. <laughs> but we believe it. It's a step of faith. There's some action required. I'm seeing in heavenly places with Jesus. Therefore, when I pray for people, they're going to get better. Therefore, when I walk out with my finances, things are going to happen. Right? And so there, there's this, this faith relationship that happens. And it's so cool because Jesus loves to meet every one of our needs, even when we don't feel like it. Even when we don't feel like super spiritual and things aren't working out totally great as we planned. How are we doing? We doing okay? <laughs> also, another thing we do sometimes <laughs> as part of the uh, relying on every, our, our own, like meeting our own needs, is we deny prayer from other people when we have a need. And there's a few reasons for it. Like, we're like, well, I mean, they don't, they don't really need to know that I'm struggling with this right now. Right. We have that kind of like self-protection thing going on. I can meet my need. But there's something big and powerful where two or more gather, he is there in the midst. There's something powerful about gathering with other believers and having them pray over your situation. Even, like, like, even if you've been praying over it for a long time and nothing has happened, Right? You have to get off that whole self-reliance thing and recognize that there's a whole lot of other people who are sitting in heaven with you in heavenly places who have the same power that you carry, right? So let's magnify the influence of the kingdom and have them pray for over your situation as well. And sometimes we just like to reject it like, like you know, just having prayer from people for one reason or another. Like, like you're like, oh, well, they're really not that spiritual. Are you sure? They know Jesus. Like we'd all want to get prayed for by like, jo like who would want to get prayed for by like John the Baptist? Who would be like, dude, yes, that would be awesome, right? But anyone who's least in the kingdom of God, which has now come on earth and is continuing to grow, whoever is least in the kingdom is greater than him. So you are more of a baller than John the Baptist. That's Instagram worthy, just telling you. <clears throat> This is maybe, maybe it's, I think this one's for someone who's watching online. Um, I don't need to go to church to be a Christian. I just laugh when I hear this one. God's all about the church. Collectively, we're called the bride of Christ. Collectively, we're called the bride. Can we be united? Can we be united? That's all I'm asking. Can we just be united? That's what the church is about. He came for his church. 
He came for his church. There's power in meeting together. There's power in unity. In Psalm 133, he commands blessing where there's unity. So if, if you're watching online or like, I don't know, if, if you have disconnected yourself from a church, he, he wants to connect you. He wants to connect you. There's some unity. There's break for, breakthrough for you with a fellow body of believers. So don't, don't run away from the very people who want to help you and want to love on you. You may have been hurt in church, but that's okay. We're a family. Sometimes it happens. Acts 2.42. Let's go there. 2.42.47. Man, you're quick, Brad. I love it. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to the breaking of bread and to prayer. What did they devote themselves to? Teaching, the word, fellowship. That's church, baby. It's not a building. It's not just coming on a Sunday. That's like fellowshipping with other believers. Like getting together, making stuff happen. Breaking the bread, eating with them. Not just hanging out with them on a Sunday morning. Like actually going to meals, hanging out, being a community. And to prayer. And guess what? They prayed together. When the Holy Spirit came on the day of Pentecost, where, where were they all at? They're all praying together. They're all praying together. That's where they're at. It's crazy. There's power. There's power in unity and prayer and being a church. Even Jesus went to church. Like, like, like he was part of a sin, like he went to the synagogue, he went to the temple all the time. So something to think about. We doing okay? Sometimes we also forget some truths um, about ourselves. <clears throat> I hear a lot of people state, um, I'm getting old, like it's a negative statement. Let's go to this passage. Let's go to Deuteronomy 34.7. This is our definition of what old should look like. Moses was 120 years old. Anyone that old yet? When he died. Yet his eyes were not weak nor his strength gone. That's our definition of what old looks like. That's our definition of what old looks like. So when you declare that you're old, let's not, let's not declare it like it's a negative thing anymore. Like, oh, my joints, I'm just getting old. Hmm. Moses' strength wasn't gone. So why are you believing a worldly lie that getting old means you're breaking apart? That was before Jesus. Like, think about that. Before Jesus came down, released the Holy Spirit on everybody. Like, that's crazy. That's crazy to me. That's Old Testament stuff. We have so much more now. And I love it. It's so good. Let's also go to Joshua 14.10. Now then, just as the Lord promised, he has kept me alive for 45 years since, since the time he said this to Moses. While Israel moved about in the wilderness. So here I am today, 85 years old. I believe this is Caleb talking. Let's go to the next one, 11. I'm st- I am still as strong today as the day Moses sent me out. I'm just as vigorous to go out to battle now as I was then. How old was he? 85. Man, that's something I'm looking forward to. That's something I'm looking forward to. So if you're feeling like you're run down and your strength is sapped and you're too old, just remember Caleb. Just remember Moses. And remember what you're declaring over yourself. Because really what you're doing is you're prophesying over yourself. Whenever you say, oh, I'm just old, my my joints are weak, or... You're out of breath. You're just declaring that you're old. No, it's just that you haven't exercised. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, 
That's not it. Just get into it. Where, wherever you're at. Like, I, I even just say, like, it's so funny. There's, there's so many, um, just in natural terms, there's so many diseases that really can be fixed by either a change of perspective, like a mind thing. Like, stress causes so many diseases. How many know that? Anyone in healthcare? Stress causes so many diseases. So if you can fix that one problem, your mind, what you're declaring over yourself, where you're at in situations, you can fix all of that. Same thing. Little exercise goes a long way. Sarah, what, um, what do the, the, the doctors say? In, that one doctor in the workers' comp field, what does he say? Motion is lotion. Amen. She, she's a workers' comp attorney, so she works with a lot of doctors. And, uh, and this doctor specifically says, motion is lotion. I love it. It's so good. But it is, right? It's so good. Things can be fixed really easily just by a little bit of exercise, right, which we're made to do. We have muscles. They grow as we, as we uh, put some strain on them. And he loves, he loves to bless that. So when, when we ever do, we declare we're, we're old, I better hear that, like, it's because you have more wisdom. Like, or because you're stronger now than you were when you were 30. Like, I want to hear that kind of stuff. I want to hear that kind of stuff. It gives people something to look forward to. So good. So good. Hmm. Also, another thing I want to hit, and I, I struggle with this a lot, okay? So maybe you're like me. It really annoys me because I do it. Okay, so I just want to be honest right now. Is I complain sometimes. I just complain about stuff. I'm just like, this situation sucks. <laughs> you know what I mean? Or I'll do it about people. I'm like, this person's a little stinker, right? Anyone else been there? Okay, I'm the only one. I get it. Okay, that's fine. All right. No, let's go to Philippians 2, 14. I love verses. They're, uh, they're, they're um, basically the, the facts and the truths that we should live our life behind. So that's why I like to use a lot of verses. So if it's boring to you, I'm sorry, Work on your attention span. Okay, here we go. It says, do everything without grumbling or arguing. Another translation says um, complaining. It's the same kind of thing, right? And so that you may become blameless and pure children of God without fault in a warped and crooked generation. Then you will shine among them like stars in the sky. Let's just stop right there. Sometimes we complain about stuff. We just complain. We complain about people. We complain about situations. We complain about work. We complain about... Um, uh, food. We complain about everything under the sun sometimes. And we have to stop and think, is my complaining bringing about my blamelessness? No. I want to be blameless. I want to be blameless. Like the verse says, without fault in a warped and crooked generation. The world complains a lot. The world complains a lot. Are we meant to complain? No, we find solutions. No, we're the empowered ones. We're the one Jesus has called to be disciples and to be like Jesus on the earth to people. So I think the biggest thing for me, and maybe for you guys, is just to remember, uh, my tongue has a lot of power. So it's that self-declaration stuff. Oh, this situation is terrible. Well, guess what? It's going to continue and it's going to remain terrible because you're actually not choosing to stop complaining and to start praying. There's a transition that needs to happen. You need to recognize, okay, yes, this situation is not good. And then you need to move over. Just like me, I need to remember this, man. I, it's so hard. But I need to remember to pray for them. Right? Like, you don't like the president? You need to stop complaining. And you need to start praying for him. And I don't care what political party you're from. I don't care. If there's someone in the office, an attorney general. If you don't like the attorney general, guess what? You need to start, stop complaining, and you need to go over here, and you need to start praying for them. You don't like your boss? You need to stop complaining to your spouse every night when you come home, and you need to come over here, and you need to start praying for them. Just as Christians, we sometimes just forget the whole transition process from recognizing something is not good to then saying, oh, I have the power to change this. I know someone who could fix this, Right? And so it's just, a, it's just a mind thing. It's just a mind shift. And it's not necessarily, it's not like, um, it's just a small untruth, a small lie that's just weaved in. Oh, I can complain. It doesn't matter. It's not going to hurt them. I'm not trying to hurt them. Right? But it's just shifting over and saying, look, you got a solution. 
you're empowered to change that situation. Amen? How are we doing? Sorry if this is so heavy. Is this heavy? <clears throat> How are we doing? Okay, we're doing good on time. Another hour, so not bad. <laughs> are we okay for that? Memorial Day, baby! Another thing I recognize in myself, a lot, a lot of these, look, a lot of these are myself. So when I bring these up, they're just things that really annoy me. So basically that's what the sermon is. Is any of this relating to anyone in here? Any of it relating? Okay, good, good. We're all human. I love it. Perfect. Here we go. Uh, another statement, uh, just a lie that uh, I tend to hear from myself a lot and, and, you know, other people too is, I already forgave them. I forgive, I forgave them. Well, then why are you still bringing up that situation? You can't, you can't forgive someone. Okay, you guys, know, you guys know this happens to you. you. You, like, already forgive them. You're, like, so mad. And you're, like, God, I just, I just released them to you in Jesus' name. And if you want to punish them, too, I totally get it. That's fine. But, right? And you do the whole forgiveness prayer. And then, but then, like, a week later, <laughs> a week later, you're talking to someone. And you're, like, man, they, make, they annoy me so much. You know, last week they did this. You really haven't forgiven them yet, right? You really haven't forgiven them yet. If you're still bringing it up, if it's still something you need to talk about, you really haven't forgiven them. You know what I mean? Because it still has power. That situation or whatever happens still has power over you. And so the, the Bible is very clear about forgiveness. There are, so many, there are so many verses on forgiveness. Not only because we need to know that we've been forgiven, but we need to know that others need to be forgiven too. And it's so huge. It's so huge. Let's, um, <laughs> let's, let's do this. Let's do this. Let's start with 1 Corinthians, 1 Corinthians 13, 4 through 7. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. Everyone's like, ooh, ow. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. Boom. It keeps no record of wrongs. Man, that's so hard. Jesus, why you got to put that in there? Why did there have to be a Corinthian church? You know what I mean? Like the other stuff is okay, but that, that's just like, dude, you can't keep any record of wrongs. Like no record of wrongs. If you want to be like love, if you want to be like Jesus. Man, that's hard. That's hard, but that's what he calls us to. I won't, I'll just reference it, but also in, in 1 Corinthians, it talks about um, just how that church struggled with lawsuits within. Like people were suing other people because they were hurt. And there was really what it was, was a lack of forgiveness. And Paul basically in his letter to the Corinthian church is like, why don't you just be wronged? Wouldn't it just be better to be wronged? And that cuts, that cuts us because we're like, well, I got to get him back. Eye for an eye, baby, Old Testament. That's not how it works. And then Matthew 18, I'll just reference this quickly. Uh, let's go to verse 21 to start. Eighteen twenty-one through 35. Sorry, Brad. And Peter came to Jesus and asked, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother or sister who sins against me? Up to seven. <laughs> I love this. You know, he, like Peter, Peter knows what's up, and he's like, he's trying to get Jesus to say something that's just like, you know, a little bit like, like seven times? Like once every day for a week kind of thing? Uh, and then this is his response, okay? Let's go to the next verse. 22. Jesus answered, I tell you, not seven times, but 77 times. <laughs> like, I don't know anyone I've needed to forgive 77 times a day. So I think it's pretty clear. Jesus knows what's up. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. As he began to the settlement, a man who owed him 10,000 bags of gold was brought to him. 
Since he was not able to pay, the master ordered that he and his wife and his children and all that he had be sold to repay the debt. At this, the servant fell on his knees before him. Be patient with me, he begged, and I will pay you back everything. The servant's master took pity on him, canceled the debt, and let, go, let him go. But when the servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred silver coins. He grabbed him and began to choke him. Pay back what you owe me, he demanded. His fellow servant fell to his knees and begged him, Be patient with me, and I will pay it back. But he refused. Instead, he went off and had the man thrown into prison until he could pay the debt. When the other servants saw what had happened, they were outraged and went and told their master everything that had happened. Then the master called the servant in, You wicked servant. He said, I canceled all the debt, all that debt of yours because you begged me to. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had on, had on you? In anger, his master handed him over to the jailers to be tortured. Not even just put in jail, like to be tortured. Until he should pay back all he owed. This is how my heavenly father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother or sister from your heart. but I don't want to. Do you know what they did to me, Jesus? Do you know what I did for you? He responds, right? That's basically what this whole thing's about. Think of what I did for you. I took away all your sins. Like even that stuff, like you wouldn't tell people about, you know what I'm saying? Like I took that. I took that. He literally carried that. And so he has a high standard for us. The Bible also says, if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But, (laughs) if you do not forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. Man, dude. Jesus is all about forgiveness. He recognizes how much power it carries, how much power it holds. So when when we are wronged by people, when we are wronged, Let's just forgive them and move on. Because we recognize there's such a, a, a power of, of forgiveness, but there's also, there's a power in not forgiving, in holding a grudge. There's also a power there too. It actually holds your heart. It actually holds your heart. Like you are in bondage because you are refusing to forgive. Jesus recognizes that. That's why he gives us the answers right here. He makes it real plain. He makes it real plain. Look, if you forgive other people when they sin against you, Your heavenly father will also forgive you. But if you hold on to unforgiveness, like I can't, I can't help you. It's basically what he's saying. I I cannot help you. If you are holding on to unforgiveness, you need to get rid of that. And then I can help you. There's such a power behind it. And we don't realize it sometimes. It's so, it's so good. It hurts so good. It's like when you have a burn on your leg and you're putting on the uh, aloe vera. Anyone have that? And you're like, ow, it hurts just to touch it. Anyone get burned this weekend? Y'all need to get out in the sun more. Or you're just believing that Jesus got your back. I'm not getting burned in Jesus' name. Right? So good. We'll end with this thought. We'll invite the worship team up. This one I struggle with. And this is actually highly, I didn't think about this before, but it's highly related to forgiveness. Another lie. I am not perfect and God doesn't expect me to be. You're saying, why is that a lie? Because through the blood of Jesus, we're cleansed from all unrighteousness. Yay. What does that mean? If you have no unrighteousness in you, if you're gold and you have no impurities in you, what does that make you pure? Or, I just gave you the answer. You're welcome. <laughs> I was going to be all feisty with you too, dang it. 
But it makes us pure, totally pure, right? Totally pure. When you're melting down gold and, and ore and all that stuff, right, there's a lot of impurities in the rocks that get inside. And you have to melt them at a hot enough temperature to get them out. You're like, well, the Bible doesn't say you need to be perfect. Really? The Bible says if we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. How can we be perfect? That's what the Bible says. It also says his son purifies us from all sin. Matthew 5.48, I want everyone to see this one. Be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. There's an expectation. But it's not like you, you don't have to work for it. A lot of us don't view ourselves as perfect because we haven't really forgiven ourselves yet. Well, you don't know what I've done. Really? You don't know what I've done. <laughs> and I'm being serious. But God has fully removed that from me as far as the east is from the west. Like literally the east and west would never, ever, ever meet. They just keep going. Right? Hebrews 10, 14. Let's read another one. Hebrews 10, 14. This is like my favorite verse. I love this so much. So good. For by one sacrifice, he has made perfect forever those who are being made holy. So he's made you perfect forever, but you're in the process of being holy. <laughs> He has made you perfect forever. When you're in Jesus. Sorry, if you're not in Jesus, that doesn't apply. (laughs) That's why there's so much power. There's so much power in Jesus' death and resurrection. Because we're perfect forever. And the hardest thing for us is to get past that. It's a mind thing. It's a lie. I'm not perfect. I don't deserve it. That's right. You don't deserve it. But Jesus gave it to you anyway. You are forever perfect. That's what it says. You're basically calling the Bible a liar. If you don't believe that. You can't pick and choose verses. Right? I wanted to throw out Corinthians. But I can't. He's made perfect forever. There's a recognition over you today. If we're going to handle revival, we need to be all about forgiveness. And one person a lot of us haven't released is ourselves. Can I have everyone stand? You know, I love that song, Get Your Hopes Up. Because there's such a reliance on God. You're really declaring that song over yourself, getting your own hopes up, knowing God's going to come through. It's hard to do that if you haven't forgiven yourself. Because you're still held down. You still got the chains. You can't even rise up. You're still chained down. So this morning, I just ask, man, if there, if there is someone you have to forgive to then be f- forgiven, or maybe it's yourself, you haven't released yourself. I struggle with this. I hold on to things for myself. And I try to bring up counter evidence to that verse, forever perfect. God, I'm not forever perfect. 
But I have to remember he's made me that. He's made me that. He's transformed me that. And sometimes I just have to accept what God has done for me. And that requires forgiveness. Everyone bow your heads, please. God, we just thank you for this morning. We just thank you for this morning. We thank you, God, that you are eliminating lies in our life. We thank you, God, that you're eliminating mistruths so that we can be sharper. That, God, we can remain fit for the purpose that you've sent us out in the world for. I just had a vision this morning, just uh, like God is the blacksmith and he is just pounding out lies. He's just pounding that stuff out of our hearts, out of our lives. Because the sharpest swords, the best swords that a blacksmith can make have the most work done to them. They're heated in a hot fire. That's because lies can't survive in that atmosphere. Mistruths can't survive there. God, we just thank you this morning that we are not living our lives in lies. And God, we just thank you that we are tilling our ground, as, as Pastor Chris said. God, we're tilling our ground regularly. That we're eliminating any weeds that are growing up. And we thank you, God, for the end of this morning. God, just as we embark in worship, we just declare that you would help us to forgive those we need to forgive, including ourselves. that you would help us to do it. And to finally do it. That we'd hold no grudges. We wouldn't promote disunity. But we'd promote your kingdom agenda in our lives. And we welcome that and we thank you for that, God. And everybody said, amen. I just asked, just for a few minutes, just to really, I don't know, let these lies sink in. And just see what has what has had power over you? And just give it to God right now. Just say, you know what, God, I'm sorry, man. I, I've totally accepted that as the truth. That was just something I did. And before you leave, like I know it's a nice day and whatever, but this is more important. Just like a minute or two. Just like a minute or two. If you need to forgive someone, forgive them. If you need to call them up, call them up. For real, right now, just call them up. If you need to forgive yourself, spend some time really digging deep and saying, God, I'm sorry. I just accept your word over me. Does this sound good? Let's just go for it. Let's just go for it today. Amen.